Welcome to episode 151 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're back this week with some more Static Shock. We're talking the, the usual suspect and show. The unusual suspect. Is it the unusual suspect? I'm pretty sure it's the unusual suspect. I, maybe I should read more. Uh, no, it's the usual. It's oh. the usual suspect. Well, it was unusual to me. <laughs> Oh, so we'll be talking that, plus our usual uh, bat plugs and everything. But first off, a little bit of uh, entertainment news. So we, we mentioned it last week, but uh, HBO Max has launched. Um, I refuse to pay for it. Cameron, you're a better That's person totally than I That's totally fair. Uh, no, I also did not pay for it. If you have, it's, it's a very messed up and confusing system because HBO still doesn't know what they're doing. Agreed. Uh, so basically, if you have HBO Go, then you get it for free. Right. So essentially, if you have if you're already paying for an existing like cable based HBO login and or like so if you have if you have like cable or dish and that means you have HBO go like you're getting it through a cable provider, then you get it for free. Correct. But if, if you, you have HBO now, which is a completely separate thing, you don't get it for free. No, but you get a but, discount. Oh, OK. I don't know about the discount. All I know is that uh, now the. Like the HBO Now app apparently has just been replaced by the HBO Max app, and you don't realize until after you've already logged in that you are in fact able to use your HBO Now login for your like on the HBO Max app. Oh, good. I good. had this exact struggle this week because I could not find the the HBO Now app. Download HBO Max, and this is how I eventually found out. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a it's a total mess. Um, but like the specific thing I was curious about, and I think a lot of people are, especially listening to this podcast, is like. Is this a worthwhile thing if you're a DC fan? And the consensus seems to be no. No, absolutely. It's they have. I'm going to say a third of the content that DC Universe has, and and yeah. I know there there's definitely like a struggle between the two of like how do we have one and the other at the same time. Um, I I think it's kind of a mess right now. They don't have any of the DCAU on there. Um, of the shows that I've been like uh what's the that have been pushed onto me so far uh the original teen titans is is what i've seen most which is great uh but, but i that, think that's it's, also it, on dc universe right yeah yeah everything that's on hbo max is also on dc universe okay uh, and even for the original shows um like the dc universe originals only doom patrol has made its way onto hbo max okay uh so if, is, if you are if you are only getting the the program or if you're only getting the the subscription box for dc stuff you know pay for dc universe it's half the price yeah and way way more content yeah. and uh i i i hope dc universe continues on i mean it's uh, unsurprisingly we're big fans of it because it means we get to watch static shock Mm -hmm. um very critical for the podcast and also because it's a great show but i mean it's it's a damn good app at the end of the day yeah like M minus the one problem that we have because we share an account yes of <laughs> of it it never will start the episode over for you even if you even if you finish it yeah that one element is particularly irksome like yeah that, that particular glitch is frustrating how dare we like, return to the times of be kind rewind Ugh. Hey, if you're having to like rewind through an hour long episode of Titans, it's a rough go. It's a single click, Chris. 
You just click at the beginning of the timeline. But I watch it on my TV, not on my computer. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah that is so a I, can't, I can't just do that. And then I'm having to like not look at the screen in case something's spoiled for me. But let's be honest, nothing be spoiled for me because Titans I, is I a wonder if you'd show. have a better experience just watching that show in reverse. <laughs> you might actually. It might make more sense. Yeah. I mean, all those characters are as big of assholes at the end of the episode they're at the beginning. So really, what direction does it matter? <laughs> that's very true. It's, it's, it's the sitcom format for a shitty action series. Like, it, it makes sense that Doom Patrol will be the one they move over to HBO Max because of their live action stuff, it's the best. I still think the Harley Quinn animated series is their best. Have you I watched don't... any of, of uh, Stargirl yet? No, I haven't. Neither have I. I've, I've heard pretty good things so far, though. Um, Plus, it's got, like the full JSA, which is pretty awesome. Oh, that's I like cool. Those, I like those characters on there. So I, sh I should maybe check it out at some point. But yeah, I mean, I... I didn't get HBO Max. I'm probably not going to, although ugh, I know eventually I'm going to have to watch the Snyder Cut, which means I'll have to subscribe in some capacity eventually. I mean, or but, you can just use my account again. I think that's probably end up using your account. Yeah, that's totally fine. Because well, well, I think that's the you and I should probably watch together so we can make we can actually. Oh, my God. Wait, it's going to be a full event. <laughs> like, oh, I want to rent out a theater for this experience. <laughs> You have to watch in a theater the way it was originally intended. Yeah. <laughs> just, the just creator inviting himself, all Snyder. these like over obnoxious fanboys in with us. God. What was it? Was it the when we saw Bat v Superman, there were two guys in front of us that were doing something. I, I don't remember. Because I, I remember can't you, keep track you, you like the leaned shitty... into them. You're like, shut up. I think when they like, like, I feel like they were adding commentary and everything. It wasn't like a lot of like, oh like anytime someone like threw a punch that sounds right i don't remember it was brotastic and uh i mean also we only have so much room to judge considering we're the assholes like count the number of times they I say was gonna family say, like we are those people in fast and furious <laughs> seven they said family seven times oh god damn it i i actually do love the idea of like someone renting out a theater and then like offering to screen uh the Zack snyder cut for free oh, i'm sure someone like, could do it you could charge tickets but then once everyone gets there you just put on the theatrical cut anyways <laughs> yeah see like if fanboys <laughs> notice any change <laughs> this stuff, this just, version was definitely better is that they, they definitely dark treated side. The Flash with more with more respect in this version why is there dark side in this oh god damn it yeah i well we'll eventually cross that yeah. asinine bridge when it happens but like you've been checking out some other stuff is there anything worthwhile on hbo max i uh if you have little kids yes okay because i think or if you are a little kid or if you are heart. a little kid physically or mentally <laughs> um because weirdly enough i think the bet there's very very few new shows okay i, I feel like hbo max having a very lukewarm launch because of how little new content they had they were mm -hmm. really much riding on the back of friends and big bang theory yeah um, there's that their big thing for the new content there's three shows uh weird enough i think the best one is late night with elmo really is that good it's it's very cute i i i sent my login info to my stepbrother just so my my niece and nephew can watch that show yeah um it's very cute and then they have a new looney tune series which just it's it's almost there it's like 90 percent looney tunes and i can't figure out what that 10 percent is that they're missing 
so I haven't watched it yet. I think I saw like the trailer for it. Is it just? It, it seems like the animation just feels maybe a little bit too modern. Is that is that it? Like it's, it's is, not the, even like the animation's a little generic, or the writing's a little generic. It's like you you see them trying. Like you you can like feel the gears turning as you're watching the episode. Okay. And they're like they have a couple good gags in there, and I can't remember anything off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. it is very much in the setup of the old Looney Tune style, where it's okay. Uh, the first episode is two kind of 10 minute shorts. The first one is a Daffy and Porky adventure, okay. which I don't think I've ever seen those two team up before. Oh yeah. Um, and the second is a bug story. Okay. Um, it, it's bugs having an arm wrestling match with um, uh, Yosemite Sam. Oh, that's pretty good. It, it is very cute. And there's like, it has some of that slapstick and there's like a lot of dynamite and like anvils falling um but i I like i just can't figure out what is missing i mean it it might be just a lightning in a bottle situation yeah the originals were so good because they had such amazing talent behind it the writing was so good obviously had mel blanc doing everything voice on there yeah um and the fact that they were built oftentimes around an actual piece of music i think was a big part of it i I think the music definitely is is missing like there, there's yeah. an underscore but it's i feel like it's not as like iconic right i mean because as we've talked about before like it's called looney tunes yes because they were all built around the warner music library and i think that you know that at the end of the day like creates a lot of creativity like you have to think like oh how can you reanimate something to this piece of music and, and maybe that's part of it is that just this just feels like a like a facsimile because it's you know such a diluted readaptation at this point that it's always going to feel a little bit hollow in comparison. So here was here's my other question for you about even though you haven't seen it yet, mm-hmm. um, I feel like our generation may I, there's a very small age gap between us, but there's still yeah. a large entertainment gap between us. Yes. I feel like yes. our generation had such a unique slapstick slash vaudevillian cartoon experience through the 90s and early 2000s specifically with spongebob i feel like spongebob is our generation's looney tunes i i think there's something to be said for that i i i've only seen like a handful of episodes of spongebob yeah like when i said this age gap of 74 years between us uh yes as it's well established, I may only be 30, but spiritually, I'm somewhere in my late 50s. Yeah. And when it came on, I found SpongeBob just a little on the annoying side, or I, I think maybe I just kind of like decided I would be annoyed by it, and so I didn't watch it. And subsequently, I've seen bits and pieces, and I can appreciate actually how clever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I, I think what finally made me realize the show is genius is the reason why it's called Bikini Bottom. Do you know why it's called Bikini Bottom? No. Because the bikini, uh, was it Bikini Atoll, the Bikini Islands oh, is where yeah, they did yeah. the nuclear tests. So mm-hmm. that's the reason like every everything's alive down there is that it's all been that's right. changed yeah, yeah, by yeah. nuclear radiation. And that's like, like oh, okay, this show's actually like super clever. So Yeah, and but, I, I don't know if it's like, if there's like a writing staff thing or like it's a similar writing staff between the two shows. But I was watching the first few episodes and I'm like, I feel like I would enjoy this more 
if these were if this was the spongebob cast instead of the looney tunes cast yeah. like if i i can see this being an episode of spongebob arm wrestling larry or patrick arm wrestling larry and being the same mm-hmm. story i i think it also becomes one of those things where you're like looney tunes would have been this huge defining part of animation comedy and mm-hmm. then everything that came after that would be heavily inspired by Looney Tunes and would like take and expand upon it. So then if you go back to redoing Looney Tunes, you then find yourself like having to do it in the the model of the stuff that inspired it. You know, I, yeah. I think another example would be like, you know, the, the Star Trek 2009 reboot movie is basically Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Star Wars would, of course been inspired by star trek but it's like you you eventually come back around and now you are having to model yourself on the things you inspired not the original things itself or like john carter would be another example of that too where it's like everything spun out from john carter and now you go back to do john carter and just feels off because you've seen better versions of that stuff come from it instead right i I think the simpsons is another great reference to that yeah where you have yeah the first eight seasons people treasure as the masterpiece because after that you now had the kids that grew up on the Simpsons are now writing for it. And so now Homer has, be, you know, now all the characters have become parodies of themselves. Yeah. Because their only reference point to writing Simpsons is Simpsons. Simpsons. Exactly. Yeah. So I, maybe that's just part of it is that it, it, it feels like it would be a better SpongeBob show because the people who are writing on it were probably inspired by SpongeBob. That's true. Yeah. That's and I, I have nothing. I don't actually know the writing staff, but <laughs> it's, it's totally possible. That's a, a reality. So mm-hmm. maybe that's part of the reason it's a little, a little off. Uh, and then the uh, the last new show that, that I've dabbled in so far is a show called Love Life. Life, love, love life. It's Anna okay. Kendrick's new rom-com uh, now, series. Now, now you, you pointed this out to me that she is now the face of every streaming platform. Do you actually know? Can you list off the top of your head every project from every new I streaming can. platform? So, yeah, Anna Kendrick <laughs> has this unique ability to be the fa- the opening day face of streaming platforms. On Disney Plus, she had Noel, which was the Christmas, uh, the Christmas comedy, uh, Quibi, which is the platform no one has. Nope. Uh, she had a show called Dolls, where she, it was a, a, a comedy, where she was jealous of her boyfriend's sex doll, uh, oh, and it was I, like sentient this. in her eyes. Yeah, uh, it sounds like a funny premise. I, I, I am curious about that show. Um, and then we have this one, which is Love Life, which is a kind of romance heavy rom-com series. Okay. Uh, it's written, I would say it's written pretty well. It feels pretty real to the mm-hmm. point where like I couldn't watch part of the first episode because I'm like, fuck, this is like, I'm not in the right mental space for this kind of <laughs> it's a little story right now. <laughs> emotionally right now. Yeah. Um, and then the next platform coming out would be Peacock, which is NBC Universal's app. Yeah, uh, and I'm almost certain we're gonna have some kind of trolls opening day thing, which will of yeah, course probably. star Anna Kendrick. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, has has she become the rock of streaming services? I think so. I mean, I, I think she's just inherently likable, and she is charming. I, I did do a Google search right now, just why is Anna Kendrick on every streaming platform? Unfortunately, I did not get a good article that explained why. Uh. Yeah, I, I think she's just like, and I don't mean this to be uh, an insult, though it kind of sounds this way. I think she's just super palatable. 
Yeah, I, I was gonna say she's she's Hollywood's safest bet right now. Yeah, and like I I kind of get it. Like she's funny, she's fun, she's charming. Like she's very talented. Like she can handle like both like the the drama and the the comedy chops really really well. Um, you I mean, know what I just good, realized, Chris? Good on her. I think she is Zoe Deschanel 2.0. <gasps> yes, but way less annoying. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is she still just as quirky? But she's not obnoxious about it. Yeah. Or like I, Zoe Deschanel is quirky. You know, she's the pixie manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Or she's quirky and oblivious to it all. And she's like, I, what, me? No, I just, I just paint horse nails for a living. Like, that's just, that's just my life. <laughs> or Anna Kendrick is like, she acknowledges that that's a thing she does. And also is like a little upset that that's a thing she does. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I love it, but I'm not happy about it. I think Anna Kendrick's got a bit of a bite to her. Like yeah. she like, and I, I think that's part of the reason that she's so likable is that in the same way that the rock for a long time was like embracing his like own stereotype. I feel like Anna Kendrick kind of does something similar. Yeah. They have worked together. Haven't they Anna Kendrick and the rock? Um, I don't think so. They must have. They must have. I, I don't think they have. I love how we're both looking this up right now because we we need to know. We need to know if this is true. Uh, maybe not. I yeah, they they have not. Because I my 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 mind immediately went to the accountant, but that's Ben Affleck. That's Ben Affleck, yeah. No, yeah, they okay. they have not worked together. That is genuinely surprising. Yeah. Give it time. Oh yeah. Give it time. It'll happen. It's going to be the biggest movie ever. <laughs> but it's also going to be on streaming. It's oh, going to be the biggest movie ever on streaming. streaming. It'll be, yeah, on, on The Rock's private platform. <laughs> Boulder TV. I would watch that. Yeah. It's going to become the exclusive streaming platform for all the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, my God. That's a dream. <laughs> Could you imagine how pissed off Vin Diesel would be if The Rock had his own streaming platform and that's where Fast and the Furious was streamed? Oh, my God. That'd be the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, actually, okay. If you think about it, if if you were to, like, build a streaming platform around a single actor, he wouldn't be a bad shout. Because you'd get the Fast and the Furious movies. Even if you only had his, you're still getting number five, which is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hobbs and Shaw, which was stupid fun. You would get Scorpion The Mummy Kings. Returns yep. and The Scorpion King, which are both kind of garbage but entertaining. Uh, you would get Get Smart, which I think is a really underappreciated comedy. Oh my I really God. love that I movie. I fucking love Get Smart. That's a really funny yeah, movie. Yeah, that movie's amazing. Um you would get i forget you, i always forget that he's in that he's in that he's, he's great in that yeah like that was like the beginning of that amazing era where he like started being billed as dwayne the rock johnson and he started to like play up his own profile in a way that was fantastic so you, you'd get that you would get uh a lot of the wwe not something i'm interested in but a lot of people would appreciate that did the rock ever do because there, there's like a tra- i feel like a tradition of scooby-doo teaming up with wwe stars Oh, did The Rock ever do a Scooby-Doo I episode? I don't think so. I love that this has gone from being the news section to being Chris and Cameron look up projects starring Anna Kendrick and or The Rock. Uh, I, I don't think he is in a Scooby-Doo <gasps> episode. It would have Moana. What? 
Oh, it would have Moana. That's it would right. Have Moana, it would have Moana. It would have Jumanji. Uh, I don't really give a shit about boulders, but it, or uh, uh, ballers, but it would have that. Um, like, okay, I think he he wouldn't be a bad choice. I'd say outside of him, this might be slightly controversial. I also think uh, I would watch a Tom Cruise streaming service. Okay. You get all the Mission Impossibles, which are pretty much all good. Some of them are great. Um, you would get Edge of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic, fantastic movie. What Minority Report, Jerry Maguire, Risky Business. Yeah, um, but so if, if we're going off new platforms, would he do a TV series though? Um, I don't think he would. He might if it's his own if it's his own platform. I mean, we're talking like the most ridiculous of hypotheticals. So here's here's my pitch for you. Okay. Here's my pitch for you. Above above the rock, above Tom Cruise, because I think this is someone that has a great back catalog, but is also willing to do new content in, in kind of unique mediums. So not Harrison Ford. Not Harrison Ford. I I will I will <laughs> Who would be a good shout? <laughs> I will pitch to you Charlize Theron. Ooh, yep, I'm on board. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent on Mad board. Mad Max. Yep. You get a Fast and Furious. <laughs> what Fast and Furious? You get Eon Flux. Eon Flux, Atomic Blonde. Uh, oh, God, Atomic Blonde is amazing. You yeah. get the Italian job. You would get the Italian job, yeah. It's a fun ride. Uh, Tully, um, which I think is still one of the most underrated films ever. Which one? Tully. Oh, yeah. The one where yeah. she's the, uh, the get, mom with PTSD. Or with, yeah, uh, you, get, uh, you get Tully. You yeah. get uh, The Devil's Advocate. Uh, a Million there. Ways to Die in the West. <laughs> I know she's done like a few like randomly TV things. Oh, she was in an episode of um. Oh, what's Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek show called? Am I blanking on it? Orville. I think she she was in an episode of the Orville. Oh yeah, that, I feel like they have a great relationship. Yeah, because I think they're pretty good friends at this. Yeah, because I mean, so. you have to be if you do a hundred ways to die in the West. A million yeah. ways to die in the West. Um. Okay, I'm on board with you here. I I would definitely sign up for the Charlize Theron streaming platform. Yeah, I feel like she's connected enough where they could like actually get a lot of good stuff connected to it. Because she's one of those actors that Kubo, does... the Kubo movie. Oh, God, Kubo's so beautiful. Like, she actually, do, like, does interesting choices. Mm-hmm. Like, she will take a swing and do something that seems like it's more just for the fun of it. Like, she'll do a quote-unquote paycheck movie, but those movies are actually usually pretty fun anyways. Like, she makes solid choices there. Uh, I would get the, the Snow White movies that I, I couldn't, couldn't yeah, get Yeah, Snow through. White and the Huntsman. All right, I, I, I'm on board. Uh, now, it would be even better if someone can get, go ahead and create the Tom Cruise streaming site, the Rock streaming platform, the Charlize Theron streaming platform, and the Harrison Forum streaming platform, and then bundle them all together for us. That'd be amazing. Thank yes, you. Yes, yeah. Is there, so so there's the, there's the, like, the celebrity dating app. Have you, you've heard about Raya, right? What? There's an app called, there's a dating app called Raya. What, what is that? It's, it's meant for, like, you know, like high profile singles. Like you have to be verified on Instagram in order to have an account sort of Pretty thing? much, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm imagining like that for a streaming platform. <laughs> Actually, wait, hang on. There might be a really genius business opportunity here. It's to create the 
Tinder of streaming platforms. So it goes through and it just keeps throwing up different show ideas, like different pieces of IP, and you keep swiping left or right. You do this for five minutes at the end of the like the the exercise. It tells you which streaming platform you should sign up for based on what you like. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was imagining an executive version of that, just called Iger, where it's a bunch <laughs> of <laughs> it's just a bunch of businesses, and you swipe right on the ones you want to buy. <laughs> I like that too. Yeah, <laughs> just automatically signs you up for whatever you say yes to. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think there's definitely something there. Oh, I know, man. man we, we should give up podcasting. Yeah, we should just be entrepreneurs. <laughs> I know. Get into the streaming game. Shark Tank. Let's, let's yep. hit us up. Got ideas. All right. I, I have one other piece of news I want to talk about because I saw this this week. And it was it, it reminded me of you immediately. And it's uh, a new movie coming to Disney Plus, And it's the Secret Society of Second Born Royals. <sighs> yeah. I, I i brought this up to you before the, the you episode did. you watched the trailer i did it is it is a movie where uh the second born in a bunch of different royal families and only the second born has superpowers and so then they become superheroes to protect their respective kingdoms uh, but before they do that, they basically go to a Professor X style training school and then form a superhero team. Yep, they do. And Chris, I. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, I'm upset with you for just assuming that I was going to like this. And I'm more upset with myself for how excited I am for it. Because <laughs> it's it's it is I a over it. budget decom is what it is. It is. It is. It's very much in the line of it is. what you said, like the Descendants meets Zoom, yeah. which was like the the Tim Allen movie from a few years ago, of like the exact same premise. Uh, yeah. It it is. It definitely has like a, it has B list Zach Levi, aka Skylar Aston. Yeah. Who I only know his name because you looked him up. I did. <laughs> yeah. The guy from Pitch Perfect, if, if anyone needs a reference point. Exactly. A sort of generically kind of handsome guy from Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, it it looks bad. <laughs> really bad. And uh, you're gonna watch it. But I'm gonna watch the shit out of it. Cause you know what, Chris? It's Disney Plus. You can bet your ass there's gonna be a musical number in there. Oh, and you know what I want is a fucking musical number in a superhero film. We haven't had that yet, have we? we? Haven't. I, I in, in my my movie movie game, which I've mentioned to you before, I did have Sky High School Musical. Yes, yes, that's which right. It's something that I dream of. So here, because you're right, we have yet to have a musical superhero movie. That's not true. I apologize. What uh, did we get? Doctor Horrible sing along blog. Uh okay, yeah, I'll give I'll give you that, yeah. Um, but I'm talking like big budget. So he- here's my proposal. What we've been seeing with Marvel mm-hmm. is that they are heading towards the point where they're leaning heavily into genre. Like that's now their way of differentiating themselves. Like they have the brand, they know they'll get butts in the seat. So now each film is kind of getting more and more into a specific genre right Mm -hmm. so you know we're seeing like ant-man is sort of like these like heist comedies um you know black widow is definitely like the james bond style thriller doctor strange is going to be more of a horror film so my proposal is that 
they just go full out and James Gunn makes Garden of the Galaxy Volume 3 a full-on musical. Okay. So this, I don't so care. There, there the, is the, the mutant who, uh, what's her name? Dazzle? Dazzler? Dazzler, who's a, a um, she's oh, a pop singer. Yes, yeah, because she turns uh, sound into like energy blasts. Yeah. <gasps> okay, you know what? I, I'm on board. I, okay, here's what we do. Here's what we do. Mm-hmm. You're right. Instead of having it be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, when they do Deadpool 3, they bring in Dazzler and go. they make the whole movie a musical. We know Ryan Reynolds can sing. He, he can. Won, he won the Korean version of uh, Mass Singer, That's which true. I don't want to say because that was the first version. He won the Mass Singer original. <laughs> the original Mass Singer. Uh, yeah, I'm on board. Man, look at us. We're just solving all of Hollywood's problems uh, who, for them. We know who the villain has to be. Who? Jack Black. Oh, yes. Wait, but oh, playing who? I himself. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Literally anybody. It just has to be Jack Black. Uh, I say Jack Black is Modoc. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good, yeah. I know I know at one point Patton Oswald was gonna voice Modoc on an animated series, but I think that got scrapped. Um I, I mean, Patton Oswalt could probably sing, but I'm I'm totally on board for Jack Black being the the villain. Or or that's 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 why the villain is a villain because he can't sing. Oh, there he's, you go. He's jealous. Have you have you ever seen um, Undercover Brother? I I talked about it last night. I love Undercover Brother. I I love that movie too. But what you just described remind me of like Chris Kattan. Like his whole motivation, like as the villain of the movie, is the he can't dance, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he doesn't have groove or something like that. That is, guys, if you haven't seen Undercover Brother, that is a underappreciated comedy masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like genuinely, I've, I've wanted that watch so badly since I, since I first saw it. It's it's the the premise is a uh, a black guy goes undercover as a white guy. Yeah, but uh, like not not in like uh, white chicks format right. like he, i was he, gonna he, say like, i feel like this movie like, was lost he, because it was under the veil of white chicks yeah he, he like basically like just like code switches um yeah. like super heavily to like go undercover um and it, it has so many incredibly clever bits in there I, it would it's not even worth mentioning them because it i can't do them justice the way the movie does but like legitimately unironically 100 recommend if you have not seen it go watch undercover brother it is a masterpiece. I agree. Yes. Okay. All right. At this point, now that we've solved all of Hollywood's problems, should we move on to uh, some static shock here? I guess so. I mean, I feel like <laughs> if we, we just finished the episode. <laughs> I know. Why, why even continue at this point? We're giving up podcasting after this episode to go yeah. launch multiple streaming platforms cater to high-end celebrities. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. But our, our first episode this week is The Usual Suspect, uh, not The Unusual Suspect, not The Usual Suspects. Yes. Um, of course, named uh, very famously from the quote. Cameron, do you know where the quote, the usual suspects, comes from? I'm going to assume, if I can just go out on a limb here, Yeah. the movie The Usual Suspects. So, you're not entirely wrong, but the name of the movie, The Usual Suspects, comes from a line in another film. Do you know what that film is? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I just learned that that was written by Ian Fleming. I had yes, no idea. 
Yes, by horrible, sexist, racist, homophobic monster Ian Fleming. Yeah, I had I, it was his it was his birthday this week, as I saw. Oh, was it? Oh, it I was. That, I missed that entirely. Uh, uh, I mean, he's dead, so it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. No, and uh, uh, yeah, he's he's absolutely in hell. Yeah, because <laughs> it was it was like the headline was like celebrate you know James Bond creator's birthday, and like the subline was like creator of both James Bond and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And I'm yes. like, what? And Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes. Um, yeah, actually, so another tangent here, there's kind of a fun thing with him and Raul Dahl. So they actually had a lot of similarities. Like they both worked in um, like military espionage during World War II and they both went on to become writers. So Raul Dahl, obviously famous for his children's books, including The Witches and um, the BFG and uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Um, but so people don't know that he actually uh, is, I, I think he's credited, but he may be an uncredited contributor to the screenplay for the James Bond film, You Only Live Twice. Well, that's and, awesome. Uh, what does he look like? I have a very specific idea in my head of what Roald Dahl would look like. Because he would have to look weird, right? It's, it's, like, a, it's like mixing a Dr. Seuss character with uh salvador dali is what i have in my head okay yeah makes sense uh and uh that is not what he looks like at all (laughs) (laughs) he looks as generic as it can be uh but no so the the and the thing that um oh yeah he is rather generic looking isn't he yeah he he's like a uh who's the uh the actor from third planet from the sun Third Rock from the Sun? Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> John Lithgow? Yes. He looks like a less attractive John Lithgow. That's true. Yeah. John Lithgow would be a good shout to play him in a uh, in a movie. Yeah. Um, but no, there, there actually is another connection, which is that uh, he also worked in the screenplay for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, that makes sense. So he has a history of doing uh, role, um, Ian Fleming adaptations. But mm-hmm. no. So where the quote, the usual suspects comes from is the the full quote is uh major strasser has been shot round up the usual suspects now cameron the fact that i'm being so emphatic about this would be a tip i'm gonna give you one last chance take a wild guess as to what movie that comes from casablanca yes 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 casablanca the my favorite movie is well documented but also the movie from which the most quotes that you don't realize come from that movie come from That's good like, to know. Like you could pull like the um um you know, here's looking at you, kid, play it again, Sam, which is never actually a quote in the movie if we're being pedantic about it, which we must. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and um, you know, the the problems of two people don't amount to a hill of beans in this world. Like there's so many quotes in that movie you go watch, you're like, oh my god, like this movie is referenced all the damn time. Uh but yeah, that's where the uh, the quote comes from. It's Casablanca. Okay. Yeah. So and then that I don't know if that was the I don't know if that was like the original inspiration for Christopher McQuarrie when he wrote The Usual Suspects or if that's just, you know, he decided to include it because it made a good good call. But yeah, that's where it comes from. Um, but no, so in, in this episode, uh, there's kind of like two major threads going on. So one is that a, a former student who went to juvie for a little bit, Marcus Reed, is back at Dakota High and, uh, you know, is people assume including Virgil and Richie that he still has like anger management issues. And at the same time that he returns, there is this sort of like Mr. Hyde esque monster that's running around town, um, breaking up about like just causing mayhem. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
the fact that there's like a, a pattern appearing here where it's the uh, first, it's the cop who originally busted Marcus gets attacked at a warehouse. And then the Dakota auto show where he was denied a job gets ransacked because of his anger management problems. Uh, um, we don't, yeah, they, do we they know? say, he, they say he's hard to work with. Oh, okay. I couldn't mm-hmm. remember if, why he didn't get the job or not. Um, and no, then so he had the job and he was fired because they said he was hard to work with. Oh, okay. I missed that detail. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then also the, uh, his ex-girlfriend, her new boyfriend, his car gets all smashed up. And so everyone suspects that it's him. Um, and then also in this episode, we learned that Sharon is now also working as a counselor at the community center along with her dad, mm-hmm. which is nice. I, I actually really like that, that opening there where Virgil walks in the kitchen and all of a sudden like no one's cooking for him. Yeah. And he's all upset about it. And Sharon's just like, you always complain about my cooking. So I'm no longer going to cook for you. You ungrateful shit. I like the two of them have such great chemistry in this episode, like the, in both they the do. opening and the ending. Like I loved the line. Uh, where he's like making fun of his sister and, and she goes, um, she starts chasing him. He says, uh, Sharon, there are police around. And said, no, Jerry would convict me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, it's like Sharon is uh, kind of an often sidelined character. And so I love that they kind of gave her a moment to be like, no, like I have my own thing I'm doing now. I'm not just going to sit around the house and keep cooking for you because you don't even appreciate my cooking. And I like that she even acknowledges that it was their trip to Ghana that helped inspire her to, uh, you know, kind of shift up her life a little bit. Yeah, she has like a newfound self-confidence. She's dressing differently. Yeah. Uh, I I also love when cartoons like this, which are usually very like episode to episode, pull references to things that have already happened. Because that doesn't, weirdly enough, that doesn't often happen in a lot of these shows. Right. They don't often do callbacks. Syndication. It makes sense. Yeah. It's what makes sense. So I know I, I like that she uh, she got to kind of do her own thing. And so she's um, serving as Marcus's counselor, trying to help him get his life back on track. And mm-hmm. everyone keeps assuming that it's Marcus, who's the monster. And we, we did this also like very obviously telegraph for you that it wasn't going to be him because it made such an effort to make it seem like it was. Yes. But I also really loved their small hints throughout the episode. Okay, so what what were some of the hints? Because I think I missed some of those. Uh, I think the probably the the biggest one is when the girlfriend Tamara gets into the car with her new boyfriend. She says, "Turn the music down. I have sensitive ears." Oh right, yeah, yeah. I clocked that because we learned that the monster has a sensitivity to sound. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. big old ears. Big old ears. Yes, yes. I mean that that was like the the biggest indication so far that it was probably gonna end up being her. Um, it also helps you that she's the only other new character introduced in the show. That does also normally help. But like, I mean, ultimately this episode is, it's it's built around a red herring, something you and I both love. Red herring? <laughs> Why? Oh, uh, and that one episode of a Putnam Scooby-Doo where it actually was red herring that was mm-hmm. the villain. But yeah, like I, I like that they they set it up to also offer up a bit of a lesson, right? Which is like, sometimes it's not the person you assume and to continue to like project assumptions onto someone who's trying to get their life back together can also just exacerbate their own problems. And like Virgil learns that because he believes that Marcus is the monster, even though we eventually realize that he's not. And so he goes out to deliberately antagonize this guy who is genuinely struggling with having kind of rage 
all the time and being really frustrated and and wanting to act out and actually trying to not do that. And Virgil is undercutting all the good work he's trying to do just to prove that he's, you know, the monster that he's not actually. Right. There's a whole I, song in the Frozen musical about that. Oh, that's right. There is. Uh, I always forget that there are other original songs in the Frozen musical beyond Huga, which is the, the greatest <laughs> Huga, of all Huga, of them. Huga, 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 Huga. <laughs> Guys, go listen to Huga. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the musical is not worth watching except for that musical number and Monster. It, it was fine. It was fine. It was, it was totally fine. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's a a stage adaptation of a Disney musical, so it's never going to be as good as the movie itself. But they do decent little things. Like, did you see Aladdin when it was at the Pantages? I did. I loved Aladdin. It was really good. Also, the guy who played the genie was amazing. Oh yeah, because he was he was from original cast. Yeah, um, but no, Frozen the musical. It's fine if you like Frozen. You like Frozen the musical. That's true. Plus, it's got Hugo. Hugo is if anyone's curious and doesn't know what we're talking about. Huga is the song that Oaken sings, the guy who runs the um, the hot spring. Yeah, the uh, the sauna and the sauna, yeah. Uh, yeah, like the little the, the shop. traveling post or the trader, the trading outpost. Yeah, but it's it's a song all about um, like being comfortable and happy. Mm-hmm. And, and it's everyone also, in the song is naked, just wearing a towel. Yes, it's and it's brilliantly choreographed. Um, but it's also the it's like the most Broadway musical number of the whole thing yeah because like frozen's not an inherently broadway style musical movie like it's a little more it's got like you know some belters obviously like with let it go but it's not like you know like big and over the top and flashy and fun and like huga in the the stage musical like actually has like a full-on chorus line to cameron's point of a bunch of people who are naked and they're constantly covering themselves up with towels and palm fronds yeah it's and so it, good it is genius yeah absolutely if you just want to like dip in and out real quick it's the opening number of act two yeah that's absolutely true (laughs) (laughs) and it's like a 10 minute song but it's so good it's so good it's like one of the best frozen songs it's not even from one of the movies it's amazing um yeah but if we're gonna like clumsily segue back to static (laughs) uh you know virgil's out there constantly undercutting marcus's huga um by being a total dick to him and uh you know eventually we come to realize that it's in fact his ex-girlfriend who uh is the one transforming and i her her motivation is a little it's a little lacking it's a little shaky yeah she, Um, she basically is bitter that he broke up with her and she's doing all of this to pin the crimes on him yeah assumingly to send him back to juvie Exactly, yeah, just to, to send him back. Um, and so he broke up with her, and then she, I don't know what is it like. He stood her up, and she went looking for him down at the docks. No, so he she, he broke up with her, and then she went to go and apologize, apologize? down by the docks, or well, I just like trying like patch things up. Okay, yeah, and went yeah at the docks, and she was the one who was exposed to the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that was another clue when she said after the Big Bang. She said when we were down by the docks. Oh, that's right. She does say we, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It like I, I this is kind of a middle of the road episode, but I think it does a pretty good job of actually interweaving like a worthwhile message into a a pretty decent supervillain plot. Yeah. Uh, I think this is also because there was the, a moment at the beginning of the episode, because uh, obviously this 
kind of follow it, it follows static in Africa, but for Richie, it follows the opening episode. It follows gear. Yes. Because this is the first time we actually learn his name. Really? Yeah. Cause there's that moment where he like go like, you know, static and gear go up to the police officer. He's like static. You're here. And he looks at gear and he's like, and you, and even static is like, yeah, you, uh, What's what's you? And he's like, I'm Gear. Here's my business card. Oh yeah. Well, we we get Gear's name in the episode Gear though, don't we? I don't think it's said. Doesn't he say at the very end? Is like, well, what if I was like hardware? It's like, nah, nah. What about? Oh, he does. He does. Gear. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did forget that. <laughs> hey guys, I've got it. What if we're the fantastic? F- <laughs> oh fuck you. <laughs> Give me the four cut. <laughs> It's the same movie, but they just keep, they, keep, they say the whole word. I I do I do love it because we, we talked about this a bit last week. But in in the shadow of the Snyder cut officially happening, there's like a push for the air cut. Um, but there's also a push to get the 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 Trank cut. Yeah, a <laughs> fantastic. Like, I don't want to fucking and, touch well, this. My favorite thing is that uh, Josh Trank, the director of Fantastic retweeted someone asking for the trank cut and all he said was no tranks <laughs> i was like yes that's great <laughs> he gets it he gets it. he does he gets it i'm on board josh trank oh uh, we it. also have so there, there was two there were two little things in this episode we got our one big thing we got our second little romeo reference we did yes they're I leading up to romeo something reference. big yeah it's closing in soon here um but also, I I don't know if if you noticed this. I love that, um, because I don't think there's enough female background characters. Mm-hmm. They have Frida and Daisy just casually strolling across the background every once in a while together, and it happened twice in this episode. <laughs> it, no, it, it it is true. Like now, you always see the two of them like paired together. Yeah. And I I feel like part of the reason they did that was that they had to prove that there are, in fact, different characters. I think so, too. Oh, here's a question I had for you. Yeah. Uh, because Static is obviously very similar to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the creator has said that multiple times. To the point where he likes to, when he saves civilians, he puts them on roofs. Yes. Um. In L.A., <laughs> we we have... A situation and and i think in in most cities you have a situation where like not a lot of buildings have roof access so do you think these cities you know spider-man's new york and dakota city they had to like change their rooftop ordinances as a way of like because like so many people that static saves just get stuck on a roof because there's no way to get back down yeah do you think they had to like like okay guys we all have to unlock all of our roofs now because like Either oh. heroes need quick access up or civilians need access back down. Yeah. No, they totally uh, built that into the building codes now of like Gotham, Metropolis, New York, Dakota City, like all of these, just knowing that there's constant superhero battles going on. They have to yeah. get easy access to the roofs for evacuation, uh, for cleanup, for maybe, uh, you know, a lackluster police like help moment. Like, oh, we're going to go up and like totally help Superman fight Parasite. Yeah. We're just going to stand on this roof. Because I think we've brought up before, like, how many shrubs you think might have been uh, oh. planted yeah. at the start of Batman's career. <laughs> Do you think... Ooh, wait, hang like the, on. The bush business was booming. 
Hang on, because and we, Batman's we, beginnings. We do love a good uh, Bruce Wayne conspiracy. Do you think that he own like owns a rooftop gardening service? Absolutely. That is going around and building in gardens. So one people have a uh, a place to fall when they're kicked out of blimps, planes, man bats arms. Uh, but also as a way for him to just benefit off of his own crime fighting, which is something we know he actively wants to do all the time. hundred percent. This is a thing because there's that conversation between him and his execs. I'm like, why are we <laughs> buying out this mom and pop rooftop gardening uh, business? Yeah. He's like, I see, I see great future in them. Yes. I mean, cause let's be honest. There is, there is a history of superheroes like, uh, exploiting their superheroics for own financial gain peter parker taking pictures of spider-man great example yeah yeah iron man building out uh damage control another great example <laughs> yeah it's covering up his tracks yeah <laughs> i feel like the only one who wouldn't do that is superman uh because one he's a good person and two i just don't think he would think to do that there's Actually, no oh. that's not true that's not true at all he also benefits from it because he he uses in some versions he uses a story about superman to get a job at that's the Daily true Planet. that is true and i'm gonna say yep. you you can argue that he uses it as he uses it for uh romantic progress that's true he just that's happens true. to always always get caught so yeah. he can save her has like <clears throat> there's a um i i might have brought this up before uh you you never watched the curl show did you i didn't know okay it, it was pretty hit or miss but his his mm -hmm. hits i think were pretty funny yeah he had one short or one sketch about um <clears throat> like middle america's larry bird uh and how he's you no, know, it, it was teenage larry bird okay and how he's this very like even as a teenager he was always aching and cracking uh, and he enters a basketball competition and he's like, you know, you can't can't do layups. That's that's showboating. You got to just nice, easy backboard shots wherever you go, every every <laughs> every spot. And I'm just imagining like that character as Superman mm -hmm. or as like Clark. It's like can't can't do any showboating. That, nope, that's nope. that's Pops wouldn't approve of showboating. Pops would be stirring in his grave, depending yeah. on the continuity. <laughs> like that that's very middle america yeah that, that is a very yeah like middle america sort of mentality of like yeah keeping it uh no, no show showing yeah no showing off now not like in california where all we do is show off yeah it's coastal elites uh yeah no like i i like i, I like this episode i thought it was it's pretty solid like you know not not a a great one necessarily but i i, th I think for you know delivering something kind of meaningful while also giving us like a pretty decent uh villain story and like and a little bit of mystery in there is kind of nice yeah too like usually usually the episodes focus more on building out like a sympathetic backstory to the the villains which i'm obviously in favor of and that's part of what the dcu does so well but every once in a while it's nice to like have that little bit of mystery of like oh wait who's the actual villain here what's going on mm -hmm. it's kind of fun yeah because that was what would made a lot of btos episodes great mm -hmm. especially like man bat as, as you briefly mentioned oh before. yeah yeah another great episode with the red herring mm -hmm. um and uh, the the fun fact that was attached to this episode that i'm not sure if you, if you saw was um this was frank welker's last appearance in the dcau i saw that yeah scooby-doo himself yeah, uh, and it's the only time he didn't voice an animal or creature. That's right, because he was replaced with D. Bradley Baker after this. 
the great man himself. D. Bradley Breaker is so amazing. I mean, I, I mostly know him from Clone Wars, where he voices all of the clones. Yeah, I, I've met him a handful of times at Comic-Con. Oh, really? He is such a delightful person. Yeah, because he um, he's the voice of all the animals in Avatar. Oh, that's right. And yeah. so since he's just always at Comic-Con, because he is in every show. He's in all of the things. Um, he always comes to the Avatar fan panel, because uh, he's such a delight. Yeah. And that's when I would enter my trivia contest and he would host trivia. Okay. And so he would like, you know, like as we're prepping, he, you know, he'd like talk to the contestants and we'd kind of hang out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he's a delightful person. I I just have a special love for voice actors or actors who have like a really substantial voice acting career because so much of their career, you don't see their face. You don't know what they look like. They They kind of get to escape that sort of like oh yeah they have the best of both worlds yeah like they get to still do what they love and have like a really deeply rooted fan base but like you only would recognize that person if you if you are a fan yeah if you're a fan if you knew who they were yeah right it's like you know like you and i would be able to spot phil omar on the street but like not a lot of people would but like because of that when people are actually genuinely excited to like meet him or like their voice actors kevin conroy of course being a great example um like that that passion is deeper and i feel like maybe their hesitance is not quite as there too they're like they know they're not just going to get recognized by any random person who's going to know them just because they're famous they're only going to be recognized because of the work they do did you ever watch the the documentary i know that voice i i didn't actually and i thank you for oh, reminding it's, me it's I, great I, I need to watch it because that's right up my alley and i completely i'm embarrassed that i forgot to go and watch it there there's a bit where it's the voice of wacko from animaniacs mm-hmm. um where he's at I think probably Universal he's at a theme park and it wasn't Disney so I'm gonna guess Universal Studios Mm -hmm. and he sees a kid next to him wearing an Animaniac shirt and he's like you know what I I was feeling confident that day I was gonna you know kind of toot my own horn and I lean into this kid and I'm like you know I'm you know the the guy on your shirt I'm that that's my voice Mm -hmm. and the kid goes no it's not and all of a sudden I had this insane stage fright (laughs) <laughs> Where like I've never had to perform under such pressure as this seven-year-old not believing me that I am a character in his show. And so like he does the voice and the kid's like, nice try, and walks away. <laughs> I'm like, how demoralizing would that be? <laughs> oh my god. That's like the, the the modern version of the urban legend about Charlie Chapman coming in third in Charlie Chapman lookalike contest. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, man! I I love voice actors. They're so good. They're so love like genuine people. Oh, I just love them so much. Um, oh, uh, I'm trying to think any other like thoughts on this. Uh, oh, I love in terms of um like references. I did love that at one point when uh Virgil is trying to distract Marcus after he pisses him off. He's like, "Oh, hey, look, it's J Lo." Yeah, <laughs> and everyone turns around. Also, what I love about that is that uh that would still work today. It would, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Oh no, this was this is pretty good though. Um, yeah. I don't know. Any other thoughts on this one? Uh, no. Let's move on to the the next one. I feel like the one that's a little more near and dear to your life. Showtime. Uh, yeah. So in this episode, um, well, I, this one actually like kind of unfolds. So we'll start at the beginning. So Gear and Static are fighting with uh Puff and Onyx. Yep. What was the name you had for Puff last time? Poof. Poof. Yeah. 
I prefer I poof. Said, like poof and stomp last week. Yeah, poof and stomp. They're out there fighting poof and stomp. And after they they capture them, they look up and see this massive billboard for a, uh, or I guess they see an advertisement for a new reality show starring Static, much to the surprise of Static. Yes, yeah, called Heroes. Um, yeah, it's called Heroes, and it's being uh, produced by reality TV producer Bernie Rast. Oh, what a fucking asshole. I know. Actually, I meant to look up and see if this is based off of anybody. No, I didn't see any references, like a specific producer that it's based off of. Because he, uh, he, he gives me very... Who's the uh, who's the producer from Entourage? Ari well, Gold? Ari Gold's the agent, not the producer, agent. though. Yeah, sorry, they, they, he gives me very similar vibes to Ari Gold. Yeah, he, he gives off a bit of that vibe. Um... But yeah, he's this this kind of like sleazy producer who, uh, you know, as he puts it, he's produced reality TV shows for everything, you know, like cops, lawyers, whatever. And when it came to superheroes, he had to find someone. Uh, Static assumes they wanted Batman. He's like, mm-hmm. no, actually, they wanted Superman. But you're also great. So we'll do yeah. you instead. But you, you were on that <laughs> list. Yeah, you were on that list, too. Um, and so he basically convinces Static to sign up to be um, on this show uh by going to the window and pointing out a bunch of like street kids just like hanging out on the street it's like man look at those kids on the street you know they need someone to inspire them to look up to and you could be that even if you change one of those kids lives it would be worth it wouldn't it and then it cuts down to the kids and they're all complaining because they were paid to hang out in that street corner for like a few hours yeah i love that that was so smart (laughs) it was pretty great so then Static signs up to have this film crew follow him and Richie around while they go out on patrol. And Richie is just kind of put off by the whole thing because, one, the producer wants nothing to do with Richie. He just sees him as the sidekick. But, two, the whole thing is absolutely going to uh, Static's head. And they end up facing off against this new character called Starburst. Great name. Great name. I like his look. He does have a good look. Uh, I particularly love that he flies around on a star. Yes. Because he had yeah. he had the same power as a static, um, but instead of flying around on disc, he's just flying around like this big golden star, which is pretty great. Um, but I, I guess this is like the first time we've had static go up against another electric powered character. Right? It is, yeah. And he loses, and he keeps losing. Yes, yeah, so the mirror repeatedly. fight. As we continue to dislike in Marvel films, we now praise DC doing. <laughs> I. Oh, okay, you raise you raise a good point. Okay, I mean, I guess it's because it's not the first villain. I think that's it. It's not the first villain. We, you know, we're well into season three at this point, and it's the first time he comes across another character with his same power set. Yeah. Versus, you know, superhero movies, which do that right from the beginning. Every right. Yeah. We don't <clears throat> single. We time. love seeing Spider-Man fight Venom because Venom's never the first villain that he fights. Yeah. Also, do we actually like? seeing spider-man fight venom i do in in the movies it only happened once and it wasn't very good and it will probably end up happening again because of contract reasons hell yeah but i I like um i like starburst look i like that his powers are tech based and eventually you know richie starts to suspect that Maybe the reason that Starburst is able to keep beating Static is that he's actually drawing on Static's own powers. Yeah, so I I forgot, I kind of forgot the ending of this episode. And for a while, I thought that, um, he kind of is, but I, I thought that Starburst was a creation by the studio and just didn't tell Static. Yeah, like, they're... 
there's also that mystery kind of like the last episode of oh wait who is starburst like where did he come from and eventually we figure out that it's the really disgruntled assistant mm-hmm. of who's just stealing the money to make his screenplay yeah like he he just yeah like he he the very beginning he brings like it this definitely plays up on the uh assistant tropes and I, I will say that luckily as an entertainment assistant, I have never gotten shit for bringing someone the wrong kind of coffee. Good. But I've had bosses who are better than that. Um, but I will also say that when I was a PA doing coffee runs was the single most stressful part of the job. I'm sure. Yeah. Because it would be like every morning where everyone's trying to get things set up and be like, okay, like Chris, here's a, a dozen coffee orders, go to the nearest coffee shop and order. And like, as someone who has like just a decent amount of social anxiety and I have what I refer to as wasp guilt, which is uh, if you exist, you're a burden on someone. The idea of being the one person in line who like holds everything up because I'm ordering a dozen coffees just like gave me endless amounts of anxiety. Oh my God, yeah. Could you, can you not call that in early? I mean, you, you can sometimes you could call it in early, but so it's, it's one, it's the knowledge that like, I'm going to like jam up the line when I go yeah. Two, it's making sure I get everyone's order right. Because I don't drink coffee, but I know people are very particular with their coffee orders. Mm-hmm. And as a non-coffee drinker, it's incredibly stressful trying to explain like, oh, I need like a soy chai latte with this kind of milk because I don't know what any of that shit means. Same. I, 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 did, I, I did love that that was kind of the, the last button that the villain gets to say in this episode. Oh, like, yeah. I, I filled it with whole milk every time. Every whole time. Whole milk. You wanted soy and I didn't do it. Like... But it would be like genuinely stressful. Like I actually got, it got to the point where I started looking up what coffee, like what the different kinds of coffee was. So I knew how to order it properly. Like I now know what like an Americano is versus a latte versus like a mocha because I needed to know what these things were. That's that's dedication to the job right there. <laughs> For my job because it just gave me so much stress. But yeah, this, this poor disgruntled assistant just wants to have his screenplay read by this producer um like part of me wants to criticize the writers of this show for having a an aspiring screenwriter work for a um reality tv producer who probably won't be able to help get a shit made but also at the same time i know i since i work in reality tv i know a lot of people <laughs> I, who want, I feel like this is your episode <laughs> i know a lot of people who want to be inscripted who like part of their entry point is like whatever entry point you find you find so even if it's unscripted you do it anyways yeah so uh that part definitely rang true um the fact that the boss couldn't remember his assistant's name, a little bit of a cliche, but I swear to God, I've actually seen that again. Never happened to me. Well, you have you have an easy name. It helps that I have an easy name. And I, it also just helps like I legitimately have only ever had good bosses, like like legit, like awesome bosses. I'm not just saying that because it's a public forum. I would say this in private and in public. It is true. I genuinely have liked all my bosses, which helps a lot. Um but like the, like these things do exist like i definitely know agents or like executives who don't remember people's names mm-hmm. all the time but like i i was with you on this too i was thinking that maybe that this guy was going to have been a creation of the producer like to to like make the show successful that the producer yeah, to heighten the drama yeah to heighten the drama was going to come up with a villain and i really wanted that to be the case and in the end it was just like this assistant was really disgruntled and his their explanation of how he built this sort of stuff was that he was a uh a like brilliant physics student who like caught the entertainment bug 
which I was a little, I, I, which, which I felt seen. I felt called out being a former engineer. Who former left, mechanical engineer. Former mechanical engineer who left to go into entertainment. Um, but I, I hated that it was just that he was pissed off and wanted revenge because it makes him. No, no, no. That, that wasn't his motive. His motive was um, he was stealing money to fund his screenplay because oh, that's his right. boss would never read it. Because his boss would never read it. Like, but I, like I that's that's fucking great motive in Hollywood. I just I, I really wanted this to be a call out on the abuse of power. Like I wanted this to be a situation where the producer was holding leverage over his assistant being like, hey, like, I know you want me to read your screenplay. But, you know, what I can only really help you if you help me. And you know what would really help me is if you were to dress up in this costume and go and fight a superhero for the benefit of my show. Yes. Because that is the sort of, like, fucked up thing that's rooted in reality, like, that actually happens. Yeah, and I do see that being, like, the other side of the story. Um, I If I were... I, I like this episode a lot, but if I were to rewrite it, that mm-hmm. is how I would do it. Yeah. Is you same. have... The camera crew following along, following Static, but Static is so good that he's able to like take out all his villains within minutes. Mm-hmm. He's like, we can't make a twenty minute show out of a two minute fight. Static, you got to stretch these out. Yeah. He's like, well, if I do that, then it's going to cause you know like collateral damage, and we can't do that. Producers kind of shove like you know like no, the studio will cover that. Don't worry about that. Uh, and so just to get you know like a good episode out the studio makes their own villain for static mm-hmm. to fight yeah. not realizing that static and static doesn't know that um and then you can have some you know it could be like a mysterio kind of villain where it's all kind of special effects yeah i mean uh, so the way the way this works here is that uh the sort of like portable microphone camera transmitter setup that static's wearing around um is basically funneling his powers and sending it to um starburst, starburst. suit like Totally plausible for superhero cartoon mm-hmm. physics. But yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I think it would have been way more interesting is if the assi- I wanted the assistant to be a victim, not a, a So for a second, I, I felt bad because I also forgot about the assistant character. Oh, when they said it was the You're the one mic- of them, Cameron. I was one of them. When We're they said it was the too. mic pack, I'm like, really? It's the disgruntled sound guy that's the villain of this episode? Yeah, yeah, they're definitely setting him up to be a uh, like the red herring of the whole thing. But yeah, like I, I wanted to feel bad for the assistant. You know, I wanted him to feel like he had no choice but to go along with the same plan because, yeah. like, again, we don't live in a world with actual superheroes and villains, but things of that well, nature happen all the pretty, time. I think we have villains. Okay, we have villains. We ha- we have we have villains. <laughs> We have real life. I'm Lex talking Luther. to one right now. Yes, I'm a monster. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I wanted I wanted it to acknowledge like not only just like the the cliche tropes of like a shitty boss treating their assistant poorly, but also like the absolute like abuse of power and manipulation that happens. Like that is an actual real thing. Like you know you you do hear stories about that, and you know kind of. Um, in combination of like the, the me too movement and the pay up Hollywood movement is to acknowledge that like, there's a lot of times when assistants or like low level execs are basically like forced into being enablers, like more powerful, terrible people. And I wanted them to acknowledge that here. Next time. Next time. Yeah. They'll get around to it next time. Um, But no, I mean, this was, this is pretty fun. And I also like too, that it, 
it forced Virgil to have to like get past his own kind of pigheadedness in regards to Richie. Like Richie kind of calls him out, like, "Hey, like you're more concerned about the show than you are about actually being good at being a hero." Mm-hmm. I yeah. also really enjoy Richie's story arc through this season so far mm-hmm. because you know, like with a lot of these heroes, we see kind of the first episode of the first maybe two episodes is them like trying to get their footing. And then after that, kind of everyone just like knows who they are. They're accepted or villainized, either one or the other. But mm-hmm. with Richie, like you have, you have all these pre-established heroes and villains already. And now you have someone new coming in and it makes sense of everyone's being like, who are you? Oh, you're the sidekick. You know, he's kind of pushing him aside and he has to like pave his path. of like, no, I'm, just as much of a hero as Static is. Yeah, he has to. He has to like distinguish himself. Yeah, instead of just I, being I think sidelined all cool. the time. We we don't you don't usually see that story, even with like the Robins. All the Robins are just they're not there, and then they're suddenly there, and everyone knows it. Yeah, well, and I like that this show acknowledges the sidekick element. Mm-hmm. The most situations like this a new hero is introduced as a sidekick robin batgirl obviously being like the classic examples but here like they are actual legitimate partners just one of them and they've always been partners it's just that one of them wasn't on the front lines until recently yeah and i think that was one of the interesting things because like static says he's going to be like a solo hero again he's like but you were never a solo hero you always had gear in your ear yeah he just went by ear before that yeah much, much lamer superhero name. Yeah. <laughs> Call me Ear. A terrible name. Yeah. No, I, I like that Richie stands up for himself, too. Yeah. And he, like, he, sometimes, like in this episode, he has to stand up to his own friend, which is tough. But it's a real thing that has to happen. And, you know, he he's assertive in a, and he doesn't just get pushed to the side. I just I like Richie. I just like him. He's just yeah, a good what's guy. the uh There are all kinds of courage, said Dumbledore smiling. Takes a great <laughs> deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. And I therefore award ten points to Mr. Neville Longbottom. Wasn't it five? That was ten. I'm reading it word for word. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was five though. Really reading the quote. <laughs> but I think that quote is wrong. <laughs> Are you reading it off of the actual like ebook? Or are you reading it off of a quote someone posted online? I'm reading it from Schmoop. Mm, I'm so pretty it's, sure it's, it was... the, it's the book, not the movie. Okay, because in the movie, I know he says five. Mm, I don't know. What are you reading the quote, Chris? <laughs> you are you are pulling a fake news bullshit on a fact. I don't know if that quote is right though. <laughs> Also, I'm easily susceptible. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this was uh, this is pretty solid. Any other thoughts on uh, Showtime? Uh, nothing. There, there's like a very small Pinky in the Brain reference in the middle, which I appreciate. Yes, I do. I, anytime you can throw in a Pinky in the Brain reference, I'm obviously there for it. Uh, but yeah, that those are those are kind of my thoughts on the episode. Nice. Okay, so uh, really nothing in terms of notes from friends this week. So we're gonna do the return of our new segment. Cameron's question corner. Cam's questions. <laughs> uh, Cameron, I've what got is a your question for you? What is your question of the week? Um, I had a a very random question that I thought of throughout this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, if you were dealing with a superhero, or sorry, a Superman or Hercules 
or any sort of child god situation, at what age do you find it appropriate to tell them they are said god? Ooh. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. My, so my, my immediate thought is a, a clarification question to your question, okay. which is, are we running with the 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 version that we often see which is that the powers aren't going to really start manifesting until puberty like uh so i I think hercules always has his powers right like he's always strong he he was born with super strength yes if we're gonna we'll we'll go with movie hercules to make it simpler okay because i think disney's hercules disney's hercules because i think some versions of superman like he has like mild versions of his powers, you know, like even Superman, the movie, he lifts up the truck when he's a baby sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually they, they kind of come in full tilt when he's a teenager. So we're, we're running with the idea that this kid right from when he's born has powers. Well, we'll, we'll do two ideas of it. Well, we'll do that idea and then we'll do your kid is, doesn't have powers. He's just kind of an immortal, an immortal being. Okay. So I guess if the kid had powers, I don't know. So this this is the point where you tell him that he's different, right? That he's like he's comes from space or Yeah, you have that you have that awkward, you know, like the kid's like, I'm going through puberty and it's a little different, you know, my body's going through changes, but it's it's pretty different from everyone else. Mm-hmm. And every and every adult character's like, No, trust me, I know about puberty. I we all go through it the same way. I I guess I would I guess either way, I would probably tell them right around 12. Okay. So right in the midst of the middle school preteen angst and anguish, I, I you're going to put this burden on them. Okay. Like, like I think, not only are you in the worst time of your life right now, about to go through the, the shittiest changes, you're also responsible for everyone's life around you and you have to be careful constantly. Well, the, so the, here's the thing is... I always run with the the theory of it's better to know than to not. Mm-hmm. So if like I would tell the kid around like 11, 12, so that when they are like, that's basically, I feel like at the age where you are starting to develop some sense of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at that point you have enough like maturity and world context to start to grasp like the implications of being like an alien or having like being a a a demigod or something because if you wait too long then you run the risk of your kid not exhibiting self-control right which they would have to do now you also run the risk of it just going straight to their head yeah, so I my my answer would be is you tell them as young as possible. Oh, okay. Because like, then it's then it's just normal. Because then there's no change in their life. They're not A mm, and then suddenly they're B. It's like okay, like, but what's what 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 is young as possible? Like, like are you like are you like holding your baby going, Who's my little alien? Who's yeah, you tell them at like alien? two or three once they're once they can comprehend it. Because okay. cause the thing is you tell them like it's the family secret don't tell anybody but you know they're going to tell people in kindergarten but in kindergarten first second grade teachers don't care about what you say it's like <laughs> oh that's cute jimmy thinks he's an alien ha, he ha, thinks ha. he's a superhero let's hero. get back to our tests now jimmy yeah and then by the time that they like understand like once they start to comprehend they're different it they're it's so normal to them already mm-hmm. um 
because then like once the powers come on it's almost like if, if they if if you tell them it, it when they're a baby you have that phase where they believe it and then you start to have that phase where they don't believe it it's kind of the santa situation uh, but then okay. just around that santa situation the powers do finally come in and like oh shit my parents were right this whole time they weren't they weren't just fucking with me and then they're like oh well shit now i have to like actually you know like be smart about this you're right that is a better way to go yeah you're you're absolutely right you would make a much better parent than i would (laughs) so so now the the part two to that question you don't have powers you're just an immortal being when do you tell your kid like like when do you tell your kid they can't die yes Wait, okay, do they age normally? Uh, we'll say they normally age ish? up to, like, full puberty. So they're kind of perpetually, like, 25. Okay, so kind of like a Superman situation. We're like, yeah. okay, so, like, they're, they're going to keep getting older until they, like, kind of hit, like, their peak around, like, late 20s, early 30s, and then they're mm-hmm. just going to kind of, like, stay that way for the rest of their lives? Yeah. Uh, I would... De- uh, at like 30 okay that's that's fair because i here's the problem is you like teenagers already have like a problematic lack of fear exactly they they already like teenagers already tend to think they're immortal um and the last thing you want to do is actually tell a teenager that they are in fact immortal because then they're like oh well i have there's no consequences to my actions whatsoever exactly and that kid would become a raging a-hole mm-hmm. absolute asshole well because then then my thought is like if you tell them while they're in college at college age they're like i can drink as much as i want <laughs> yeah i i would wait until 30 never have to worry about alcohol poisoning okay yeah. but so so then you have the, the unfortunate situation by the time you're 30 most people find like a, a pretty long-term relationship um not us but most people no no um you now have to tell them if they're already married it makes it worse you don't have to tell them that you will forever outlive your significant other okay if i like if my kid if i knew my kid was immortal and they were about to get engaged i would say it then okay or ooh, see now oh god yeah. damn it cameron because now you bring up a good point because then it's like no matter when you say at that point it just makes things worse that's right i was looking at it from like my own egocentric perspective of being 30 and single and like if i were told today i was immortal I'd be like oh great yeah i should be like wait can i get in better shape first <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah i'm sure your body can still change um but yeah that would be like there yeah there's no good point to like tell your kid that they're gonna outlive whoever everyone everyone uh wait so when would you do it i have no idea (laughs) i have no idea maybe like 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 45 45 you would would wait long yeah because then they're past the point where like if you look the same because you know we're we're generic looking white guys yes we're gonna look this way until we're 50 yeah um and like i think if you not 50 but we're gonna look this way for a while yeah i think you you can kind of ride it out 
where it's just kind of like a compliment for a couple of years of like, mm-hmm. wow, you're, you just look so good. Yeah, you're 42. You look great. Wow. I wouldn't think you were like a day over 27. And then it's once that becomes like questionable of like, wait, you're 50 and How? you like, are you, yeah. Like once, once the, like it goes from being a compliment to kind of a question you yeah. have to find that, that perfect day of like, oh, hey son, by the way, uh, you're going to look like this forever. For the rest you're, of your you're life. immortal. But what if now and then, you, I, then I'd hang up the phone, <laughs> never talk to them again. Uh, do you have a backup plan in place in the event that you die before you get a chance to tell your kid? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have it like written into their will, like in your will, like someone has to tell them this? I would hide clues around the house. I'd make it like a full on scavenger hunt, <laughs> a full on scavenger hunt where at the end, the person realizes that they're immortal. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's, like it's, a $20 bill to it. Is like part of the is like part of the, the the scavenger hunt to basically like have them try and like fetch a clue out of a furnace or something just like to prove the point. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes, and make your kid go through the horrible emotional trauma of like trying to get the last piece of their dead parent that they can still like connect with emotionally, but to look, do so they have to look, seemingly Chris, kill themselves to make it happen. Chris, here's here's this kind of depressing thing that I think I brought up before, and <laughs> in, in all of these like, um, oh fuck, what was the um. What was the rom-com where Gerard Butler dies at the beginning and he like P.S. I love you? What? P.S. I love you? Yes. Mm -hmm. So those stories where it's like the significant other or the dead parent leaves behind this like this scavenger hunt for your kid to find. Yeah. For your other person to find is as someone who lost uh, a close person when I was very young. Mm -hmm. You always know that's not going to happen. Of like You you see people that have like parents dead parents leave videos for like their 16th birthday like i'm sorry i can't be there yeah it's like you know in reality that's not a thing but in the back of your head on every like celebration they're like what if what if that what if dad did leave a present for me somewhere and like i'm not allowed to get it until i'm 25 i'm not allowed to get it until i'm 30 Mm -hmm. not allowed to get it until i'm married like like it's it's always in the back of your head you just kind of hope yeah that that uh, big that big what if yeah but i guess no, that, that makes sense it, the, the thing is in this situation like if you're trying to prove to your your kid that they're immortal it's like you leave them a note on like a mission impossible style exploding tape yeah <laughs> i do i do love the idea of leaving it in a fireplace <laughs> and like your your son and their significant other come comes home like after your death and the the other person's like why is the fireplace always on He's like, oh, dad, you know, dad was always cold. He never let us turn it off. Yeah. And then like you finally turn it off and you see one of the hot coals has like a message on it. You have to pick it up and brush it off. Like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Uh, also, worth acknowledging that you and I definitely both approach this with like the assumption that we are like, we're doing with like a, a, a male kid. Partly yeah, because we're doing it from I, the perspective of us. Yeah. Like I would think about how I would be affected by it. Like I, I would imagine like girls go through a very very different let's be honest like way more like mature growth cycle than boys and are probably far less susceptible to like the insane bouts of ego yeah. that's really that's <laughs> that's only what we're really factoring in here it's like how would a stupid teenage hormonal boy with a massive ego deal with this situation mm-hmm. that that's because yeah every person that i've talked to has been a guy about this i would love to get a woman's perspective on yeah. when you would tell your daughter she's either has superpowers or she's immortal immortal yeah because let's be honest essentially what we're doing is we're basically just trying to like 
hedge our bets to have the, the our child come out with like the least amount of toxic masculinity yeah. as a result <laughs> exactly. of learning that they're all powerful. That's ultimately what this was an exercise in. <laughs> and the answer is, no matter what you do, that kid will probably end up being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fun times. Uh, all right. Well, shall we uh, move along to some bat plugs here? Yeah. What, what have all you right. been uh, watching, uh, listening, reading? Mine are a little more on the serious side, so I'll let you go first with some more uh, maybe lighthearted stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, I... So all the new stuff on um, HBO Max is there. Um, I did watch... I, I One of the cool things is they have all of Turner Classic Movies on there. Mm-hmm. And so I did watch um, An American in Paris for the first time. Oh, I, Gene I Kelly. S- started watching that a few years ago. I didn't finish it. How is it? It's great. It's a, a, it, um, it's cool watching those old musicals because it's like of all the movies, La La Land starts to make more sense. Yeah, it does. Um, but, uh, I, want to, I want to plug kind of that section, but also I've been listening to a new book. Oh. I want to plug really quick. Um, it's, I've, I've plugged her other book before six of crows, which was an, an amazing, mm. mm-hmm. um, kind of heist book. But uh, Leah Bardugo is the author. She has another book called Ninth House, uh, which I think she wrote before this, before okay. the other one. But it's kind of a, it's it's in a world where this girl goes to Yale, and all of the um, what are, what are the houses? What what do they call it in in Social Network? Like Skull and Bone Society is a the fraternity. I guess yeah. I a guess we're we'll just calling it a fraternity. Yeah, like a, yeah. Um, all of them are actually covers for, um, basically like uh, magic houses. Oh, interesting. Uh, and so she is brought in. Uh, there's one house that kind of governs all the other houses called Leafy, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're kind of like the magic police to make sure that none of the houses go too crazy. Oh. And so she is brought in, not realizing that she has powers to kind of help police all of these crazy frat guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like That's a whole really mystery cool. aspect around it. Yeah. Where like a <clears throat> early in the book, a girl dies and she's trying to figure out like who did it? How did she die? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's cool. I'm really liking it so far. That's a really clever concept for a story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe like five chapters in so far. Oh, nice. uh, so what about like you? A, what, are, what, are, what are your plugs this week? Uh, yeah, so I haven't really been watching anything too new necessarily. Uh, I'm just kind of like keeping up with the stuff I've been keeping up with. So, but I did want to uh, point out some, I guess we'll call them like resources. So in light of the uh, murder of George Floyd and everything that's going on with that and all the protests that are happening, like a lot of people are very reasonably so and valuably so kind of like speaking up to try and make a difference and it can be confusing to figure out how to do that um what's a meaningful way to try and like try and help um especially while we're in lockdown um and so i've been trying to like find some places to go and there's a a great article that i'll put down the show notes from medium and it's 75 things white people can do for racial justice and i was reading through it and there's a lot of really good stuff on there so it has from a you know list of books and podcasts and movies and different articles to kind of um, help kind of 
threat awareness or to look at things from a different cultural POV. We're always like, you know, huge advocates for representation. I mean, we're talking static shock right now. It's critically important. Um, it has that on there. It has different uh, anti-white supremacy groups you can donate to listed on there. It's got a list of black businesses you can support. Um, and then just other terms of like broad learning you can do. So like learning more about mandatory minimum sentencing and the effects that have and where to take action. So really valuable article, different small ways you can kind of make yourself a little more informed or to make a difference. Um, and then in terms of kind of more like hands-on things, uh, there's a couple petitions that I'll put down in the show notes, which are basically change.org petitions to bring full charges against uh, the officers who killed George Floyd. Those are on there. And then also you can donate to uh, a worthy organization, the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which basically gathers up uh, money to help post bail for people who are incarcerated. And they also do work to help uh, immigrants facing deportation. So look, very, very small places to start. Obviously, there's more meaningful change you can do. But I just want to put something out there just to kind of um, help point people in direction, because I know that can be uh, really confusing. And I know you, you posted some good stuff on your Instagram story, too. So I'll, I'll kind of put some resources out there for um, different perspectives you can look at or places you can go to to try and help make a change so because it's yeah. important and it's kind of intense and uh, a little more on the serious side for us we're normally just talking bullshit all the time but it seemed uh, a, a worthy use of the bat plug situation yeah, it's, it's important right now yeah exactly so uh but yeah those will all be down in the show notes and i'll put them up on um, probably instagram and twitter as well as so people can find those resources but yeah um yeah it's valuable so but uh, that being said, I think we're ready to land this bird. Let's do it. All right. Well, you can find us at Tim Crash Talk Pod. Crash the, crash the Batwing. Well, luckily, Bruce Wayne has planted a bunch of really huge bonsai trees throughout Gotham City for these situations where you must make an emergency Batwing landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, you yes. can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, uh, and if you want to see my art, which I said I'd have a new piece last week, I did not. I'll probably have it this week, maybe sometime, hopefully. <laughs> you can find that at camera.dexter. And if you want to see my face, uh, you can find that at camdexter underscore adventures. Boom, boom, boom. All right, and uh, we'll be back again next week. More Static Shock. I'm pretty sure, if I'm looking at the episode list right here, we get our Little Romeo episode. <gasps> oh, next week. shit. Or at least I highly suspect the episode called Romeo in the Mix is the little Romeo cameo episode. <laughs> no, it's the one where he he tries out for Romeo and Juliet. He tries out for the school play. Yes, but he has to go against little Romeo for the lead. <gasps> oh, he would lose. He would. He's going to lose. Look, Virgil, you're charming, but you're no little Romeo. You know, little Romeo, especially not early 2000s little Romeo. Oh, hell no. Be prepared to be disappointed. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week with more Static Shock. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Superhero Static Shock. Woot woot. Superhero Static Shock. Woot woot.